The Vape Passion Show, episode 82. In this episode, we're going to talk about how the H Cigar VT75C is short-circuiting with some 26650 batteries, an e-juice review of Origins by Black, an old-school vape review of the iTaste VF RDA from Inakin, 5 to 8 Customs is accusing 8Vape of selling counterfeit Goon 1.5 RDAs, very low nicotine tobacco developed by 22nd Century and North Carolina State University, the owner of Blue Star E-Liquid was caught illegally dumping chemicals, a new documentary on vaping that covers big tobacco's rise in the marketplace, and the new Ango Rabbit vape cotton is leaving people with questions. Hey, welcome back to the Vape Passion Show. I'm Alex, this is episode 82, and I'm recording this on Sunday, August 13th. If you're planning on buying a vape product anytime soon and you want to support the show, go to vapepassion.com vendors and buy from one of those links. There are more than 50 popular vendors listed. I'll get a small commission for referring you, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. So earlier this week I was at work when the whole building was evacuated because of a gas leak under the underground right next to our building. And it was bad too. The, the gas was like burning my nose as soon as I went into the stairwell and you could smell it from blocks away. Well, since I couldn't work, I decided to walk down to my favorite vape shop, Denver Vapor. I used to go there around 9 a.m. before work every Monday to see what they had on clearance, but they changed their opening time to 11 a.m. So I haven't been there in probably six months or more. So it was great to come back. Uh, I ended up buying a bottle of e-juice that was in the discount bin and uh, vaped and worked for the rest of the day. So despite the gas leak, the day ended up being fun. And I wasn't expecting any vape stuff this week, but I checked my mail the other day and saw that I had a, a heavy box from Flawless Vape Distro. They sent me some e-juice from Taffy King and Cohiba. The flavors I got were watermelon taffy, strawberry taffy, cotton candy taffy, and apple kiwi taffy. And you don't know this about me, but I'm a taffy addict, or I was until just recently. I buy a bag of saltwater taffy from the grocery store just about every two weeks. I love it. I finally decided that I wanted to cut down on candy though, so I stopped buying it about a month ago. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to try this e-juice. And I'm also really excited to try the Cohiba e-juice because they are all tobacco blends. The flavors I got are tobacco blueberry, toba tobacco bourbon, and tobacco custard. And I'm a big fan of tobacco blends, but I rarely get to try them because the most popular products on the market are sweet, fruity, or, or candy flavors. So that's what I review. These sound like a mix of sweet and tobacco, so that should be pretty interesting. Nothing much else really. Uh, I went to my local library for an outdoor concert on Friday night. Not vape related, but it was a good show. And But my daughter was like really acting up. I mean, she was bad. She didn't want to listen to us when we told her not to be rough with the other kids. She didn't want to eat her food. Um, she was just being really bad. And, and then she just kept constantly sulking and then crying. Uh, the joys of parenthood. So not a great Friday evening. But she's been good the rest of the weekend. All right, anyway, let's get into some quick news before I get into the main segments. So Wizard Labs has finally admitted that customer credit cards info has been stolen. Uh, I talked about this maybe a month or so ago. Um, many people in various forum, forums were reporting that their credit cards were getting fraudulent charges after buying from Wizard Labs. But Wizard Labs never announced anything about it until just now, just recently. They finally sent out an email saying that their system was breached between May 25th and June 26th. Um, Wizard Labs is offering free credit monitoring services to anyone who might be affected. So if you did buy, go check them out. And a quick warning to anyone out there who owns the H-Cigar VT75C. H-Cigar didn't seem to test the device with slightly longer 26650 batteries. It turns out that if you use these longer batteries, it can result in the battery short-circuiting and blowing up. 
H Cigar sent out a notice telling customers to instead use 18650 batteries, which they say do not have the same problem, although there have been reports of the device getting hot with the 18650s too. This is a major oversight. You can't expect people to measure their batteries for micrometers and differences at the risk of having a device blow up in their hands or even worse, their face. And are they going to issue a recall? What about all the people who buy these in shops who haven't or never will see this notice? Anyway, if you own one of these, H Cigar is offering replacements, so contact them right away if you do have one. Okay, now let's do an e-juice review of Origins by Black. So I received Origins directly from Black for the purpose of this review, and this is spelled B-L-A-Q. According to their website, Black is a multi-juice line brand built around class and elegance. It's a nice looking bottle and, and seems elegant to me. So Black describes Origins as a strawberry shortcake on top of a graham cracker crust with sweet cream on top. Well, I don't smell strawberry shortcake or graham cracker. It just smells like something. It just smells really sweet, but it doesn't smell like anything in particular. So I'm going to vape on the Predator 228 on the indestructible RDA and uh, 0.75 ohms, built at 0.75 ohms at 67 watts. This is six milligrams of nicotine, and it's not. It's not harsh. It's pretty sweet. It's not overpowering, I don't think, but I like sweet stuff. It doesn't have that strawberry shortcake taste. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. It does taste a bit like a, a graham cracker crust baked dessert type of thing. It is pretty good. So you can get this directly from blackvapor.com. They sell 60 ml bottles for $24.99. It's 65 VG, 35 PG, and you can get in nicotine strengths of 0, 03 and 6. All right, now let's do an old school vape review of the iTaste VF RDA from Inokin. The iTaste VF is the first RDA ever created by Inokin. This originally came out sometime around May 2014, so this is pretty damn old at this point. They originally sold for $24.99. I got this from $10 from sourcemore.com. So let's talk about specs real quick. It's 23 millimeters wide, 56 millimeters tall with a drip tip. It's made of stainless steel and has 510 threading. Inokin claimed that this has a replaceable post base system, which would let you use it in either 2, 3, or 4 post mode, but from what I understand, they never released the parts to make that possible. In the box, you'll get the iTaste VFRDA, a long metal drip tip, and spare parts. Right off the bat, you're probably thinking how ugly this RDA is. I think so. And if you watch any old reviews of this, even in 2014, people thought it was ugly. The grips on the base and top cap are ugly, the barrel is plain, and the drip tip is ridiculously long. The 510 pin on the bottom of the deck is short, so you definitely wouldn't want to use this on a hybrid mod. Alright, let's talk a little bit about that drip tip. So, it's narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. It's also extremely long. Even back in 2014, people thought it was just too long. And I'm not really sure why they made it like this. It's not designed for flavor, that's for sure. The drip tip hole in the top cap protrudes, which was also poorly thought out. So, even if you want to use your own shorter tip, it's still going to be a little bit long. And if you chain vape at higher wattages, the drip tip gets hot because it's metal. But a lot of drip tips were metal in those days, and people weren't vaping at really high wattages. In some of the reviews that, that I watched, people were vaping on 1 ohm builds or higher, which would be more satisfying at around 10 to 30 watts. I'm vaping a 0.5 ohm build at 75 watts, so that's not what it was really designed for. Alright, let's talk airflow. So there are three airflow slots, and wide open, they actually have quite a bit of airflow. I was surprised. You can close them down pretty tight too to get a slightly airy mouth to lung hit and drawing through this tank is nice and quiet no whistling at all the airflow is really smooth the airflow control ring is loose though it doesn't stay in place i don't know if that happened after i took the tank apart but the ring sucks now better o-rings would probably fix that problem one of the biggest problems with the airflow slots is that they don't line up with the coils since they don't line up the air can't hit the coils and you'll get pretty poor flavor the design was not thought out well 
All right, the deck. So the deck has three posts and the post screws can be adjusted by hand. This was a pretty typical style in those days. And like I mentioned earlier, the way the airflow holes are positioned make the idea of getting good flavor pointless. You can't hit the coils with the airflow slots. So the result is that you get very poor flavor. The deck is a decent size. You can't fit monster coils in here. And I don't know if you'd want to since the insulator might not, might not be able to withstand high temperatures anyway, but you can fit some pretty good sized coils in here. The juice well can hold a good amount of e-juice too. Other reviewers have noted that the o-rings tend to rip easily when taking the atomizer apart and I noticed the same thing when I was taking it all apart. Those o-rings are really weak and flimsy. They feel like they could rip just by barely touching them. So you will probably need the spares and might even need to buy more. So would I recommend the iTaste VF? Unless you want to own a piece of vaping history, definitely don't buy it. Inican made it painfully obvious that this was their first RDA and they had no idea what they were doing. But I had fun going back in time and taking a look at it. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. 528 Customs is accusing 8Vape of selling counterfeit Goon 1.5 RDAs. So 528 Customs is at it again. 8Vape.com, a vendor based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, recently ran a sale on the 528 Custom Goon 1.5 for $30. The average price for these are around $60. This low pricing seems to have upset 528, so they publicly accused 8Vape of selling clones. 8Vape confirmed that there isn't a contract in place that restricts how low they can sell these for, so that's 528's error. But obviously, 8Vape was pretty upset at this. Um, they reached out to 528 to clear up the misunderstanding, but 528 stuck to their claims, even stating that they have never done business with 8Vape before. So 8Vape sent them the invoice, proving that they ordered them directly. 528 even validated the invoice, stating that they thought the product was going to 8SIG, not realizing that 8SIG is actually 8Vape's wholesale sister company. But then they accused 8Vape of forging the invoice. 8Vape had no choice but to make a public statement on Facebook about this whole ordeal, including proof of the invoice that shows that they ordered $55,000 in product directly from them. They showed a picture of the check after it was processed by Wells Fargo, too. So what does 528 do next? They claim that they ordered one from 8Vape and received a clone. They just don't give up. There are a lot of people now saying that they won't support 528, at least not until they grow up and operate their business like professionals. And 8Vape said that they will continue their sale of these at $29.99 until they are gone, after which they will no longer worth, work with 528 ever again. So get them while they last. I bought one and at half off, you can't beat that price. And if you're against supporting 528, I'd argue that buying a goon from 8Vape doesn't support 528 because they already paid for these and they don't plan on buying more. So instead you'd be supporting 8Vape. And here's another tip for you. Sign up for their rewards program and you'll instantly get 500 points, which you can use to get $5 off your order. You can search for the goon on 8Vape.com or you can show me a little support by using my affiliate link, vapepassion.com slash goon15 whatever you prefer. All right, let's change subjects. There's a new very low nicotine tobacco developed by 22nd Century and North Carolina State University. In the FDA's most recent tobacco regulatory plan announcement, one of the topics that Scott Gottlieb announced was their plan to reduce nicotine levels in cigarettes. I didn't even know if that was possible, but it looks like it is because somebody has already developed a non-GMO low nicotine tobacco crop. This tobacco is being called Very Low Nicotine, or VLN, which was developed by 22nd Century Group and North Carolina State University. They say it has no foreign DNA and no traces of genetic modification. 22nd Century is a biotechnology company that specializes in genetic engineering solely with tobacco and cannabis plants. According to their website, their goal is to reduce the harm caused by smoking. They claim that they have used their technology to grow tobacco that has 97% less nicotine than normal cigarettes. They say that they have also developed plants with very high nicotine levels. This leads us to what 22nd Century Group is selling, which is called X22. X22 is a new smoking cessation aid that uses this new low nicotine tobacco, and guess what it is? Cigarettes. 
That's right. They are developing low nicotine cigarettes and plan to submit the product to the FDA for approval. And it turns out that this isn't new. Uh, Philip Morris actually created a zero nicotine product in 1994, but it changed the taste dramatically and smokers didn't like it, so they gave up. The founder of 22nd Century, Joseph Pandolfino, founded his company in 1998 to try to find a way to produce acceptable tasting low nicotine tobacco, and that's what he did. It worked. They sub-licensed the technology to Vector Group in 2003, the large tobacco company who makes Pyramid, Liggett, and other brands of cigarettes. Vector created a low nicotine cigarette called Quest and tried to get it approved by the FDA as a smoking cessation product, but it didn't work out for them. 22nd Century got the rights back from Vector and developed a second generation version of their technology, which is what they use now. Last year, 22nd Century submitted a modified risk tobacco product, or MRTP, application to the FDA, but the FDA told them that they needed to provide additional scientific data from already completed studies. This is a key thing to note. They said already completed studies, which some experts are interpreting to mean that 22nd Century doesn't need to perform any further studies, they just need to provide more data. In light of this, they are continuing to try to get their cigarettes approved as a modified risk product, but they're also submitting a pre-market tobacco product application, which if approved, would allow them to sell their cigarettes without making claims that it's a smoking cessation aid. So you might be wondering how effective low nicotine cigarettes are for helping smokers to quit. Well, it turns out that there's actually quite a bit of research that shows that it is effective. For example, a New Zealand study from 2012 shows that users of very low nicotine cigarettes were more likely to quit smoking after six months. A study in 2013 showed that very low nicotine cigarettes reduced the withdrawal effects of quitting, quitting smoking and resulted in the smoker smoking less. And another study in 2014 showed the same thing. There are many other independent studies showing benefits. Something to note though is that these cigarettes still have the same massive health risk that normal cigarettes do, but they might actually help people quit, which is a good thing. I still can't get past the idea of people smoking to quit smoking, though. It's ju it just doesn't sit right with me. Obviously, I think electronic cigarettes are the better route to take. Uh, vaping tastes better, it's much safer than smoking, and we have a strong and supportive community. Some All right, now for some news out of the UK. The owner of Blue Star E-Liquid was caught illegally dumping chemicals. So Reheis Khan, the owner of Blue Star E-Liquid LTD in the UK, had an e-juice manufacturing facility in Bolton, Greater Manchester. Back in January of this year, the 31-year-old man accidentally bought acid-based starch instead of propylene glycol. Not knowing what to do with it, he decided to dump it over the wall, behind the industrial park where he was renting space. There were more than 700 containers, which he dumped using a forklift over the period of several days. A concerned citizen came across all of these containers and called it in out of fear that it was a dangerous chemical. Fortunately, acid-based starch is non-hazardous, but it can still damage the surrounding ecosystem, so it cost the landowners more than 9,000 pounds to safely remove and clean up the containers and any spillage. Khan must not have realized that there were CCTV cameras on the property, but he was easily identified and busted. All said and done, he has to pay back the costs of cleanup and court costs, which add up to 12,500 pounds. And on top of that, he was sentenced to 26 weeks in prison and suspended for 12 months. I'm not too familiar with legal phrases in the UK, but I'm guessing that suspended is the same as probation here in the US. And something else that I learned is that in the UK, illegal dumping is called fly tipping. Anyway, what was this guy thinking? Couldn't he have returned it or sold it? How could he think that he would get away with dumping 744 large, large bottles of liquid right behind the wall of where his facility was located? These aren't small containers either. They look like they hold two or three gallons of liquid. Anyway, alright, let's talk about a new vaping documentary. So there's a new documentary on vaping that covers big tobacco's rise in the marketplace. A popular weekly documentary program in Canada called The Fifth Estate decided to take a look at the vaping industry. You can find the documentary on YouTube if you want to watch it. 
I watched it and wanted to give you a quick summary. So they have several hosts, but this one was hosted by Mark Kelly. He starts out the documentary with an important question. Can the people who hooked us be trusted to help us? And this is in reference to tobacco companies now producing electronic cigarettes. So they begin the show with an interview with a cardiac surgeon, Dr. Gopal Bhatnagar, who treats patients who have damaged their hearts due to smoking. Eventually, he decided that he had seen enough of the damage caused by cigarettes, so he started a vape shop in Canada called 180 Degrees Smoke. To start out the show with a cardiac surgeon, promoting vaping as a tool for harm reduction is a really strong intro for the rest of this documentary. Mark Kelly then went to a local vape convention where he learned a little bit about vape culture and talked to some of the attendees and shop owners there. He also tried vaping for the first time, and they didn't say anything anything bad about vapors at all in this part, which is interesting because in many videos you see online that cover vape conventions, they often show it in a bad light. In this segment, they also talked about how these vendors were selling products that contain nicotine, which is interesting because nicotine containing e-juice is technically illegal in Canada, but these people have made the choice that it's worth this risk to save lives. Kelly says that, a, that small players get away with it in Canada, but big tobacco can't because public health authorities won't allow it. It's kind of the same thing we're seeing here in the US. Many small shops sell products that aren't legal according to the FDA regulations, but nobody is getting in trouble. But Philip Morris would never be able to get away with releasing their IQOS here. They're just too big of a target. The FDA would jump right on that. Anyway, I did, I did see some comments on this video saying that Canada actually doesn't have the authority to make nicotine containing e-juice illegal, but I don't know vaping regulations, how they work in Canada, so I'm just going by what the documentary says. They also pointed out that there is no combustion, no tobacco, and no killer carcinogens in electronic cigarettes, just, in their words, pillows of vapor. They also talked with a few consumers. For example, one person they interviewed was a woman who had been smoking since she was a teenager. Smoking killed her husband. He died from cancer. After this, she took a hard look at her life. She looked at her kids and realized what it would mean if she kept smoking. Um, then she discovered vaping and decided it was time to quit. And then they talked with a couple of big tobacco companies. Uh, Kelly noted that big tobacco is no longer trying to crush the vaping industry. Now they're trying to cash in. His first visit was with David O'Reilly, group scientific and R&D director at British American Tobacco. Right on the floor of their R&D department, you'll see a large graphic on the floor showing the dangers of smoking. And this is really interesting to see in a tobacco company, but as O'Reilly says, it's a reality. They see it as a reminder of what cigarettes are and how vaping is the new generation of products that can save lives. British American Tobacco still sells tobacco cigarettes all over the world, and Kelly asks O'Reilly about this, to which he responds that cigarettes are a legal product, consumers still want it, and they've been around for hundreds of years. I think one point he's trying to make here is that it's a business and you don't just close up shop one day. It's not realistic to just stop selling cigarettes, but they do care about harm reduction. O'Reilly also goes on to state that the health risks are well known and consumers know the health risks. BAT knows that they are a part of the problem, but they also want to be a part of the solution. O'Reilly says he can't change the past, but he wants people to judge them on their actions of today. So can we really believe that they want to save lives? BAT is now investing $800 million in what they call tobacco harm reduction. Personally, I still have my doubts about tobacco companies caring about saving lives. While they might care to some degree, I also think that they care a lot about money. And vaping is the direction that nicotine delivery is heading. Then Kelly visited Imperial Tobacco, where he spoke with Eric Gannon, the Director of Corporate and Regulatory Affairs, who say they want to give consumers a healthier product. When Kelly asked Gannon why they are taking a stance of pro-health while still selling cigarettes, Gannon uses Coca-Cola as an example. It's the same reason why Coke sells Diet Coke or water and why McDonald's sells a salad. With this type of thinking, these businesses wouldn't be able to sell healthier products. 
so why shouldn't tobacco companies also be allowed to sell a less harmful product? I think this is actually a pretty reasonable excuse. We know that Coca-Cola isn't healthy. Coca-Cola knows that their soda isn't healthy, but should we expect them to shut down and start selling only healthy products? Obviously, soda isn't as dangerous as cigarettes, but it's a good analogy. Tobacco companies are probably never gonna die, so we might as well let them sell a safer product. Who knows, maybe over decades of time, tobacco cigarettes will no longer exist and vaping will completely take over the market. Big tobacco might still be in business, but 50 years from now, maybe they won't be selling cigarettes. Then they also talked to some public health organizations. So they talked to Dr. Peter Donnelly, the president and CEO of Public Health Ontario, who argues against vaping. He says that many people actually still smoke and are addicted to cigarettes while vaping, which is one reason why they can't endorse it. He says that they also don't know how safe or dangerous e-cigarettes are. Donnelly says that nicotine is one of the most addictive sub substances known to man, and they can't let a whole generation get addicted again to find out later that e-cigarettes are bad. The documentary follows this up with a stance that public health authorities have taken in England, where it's being used as a tool for harm reduction to save lives. He talks about how Public Health England is reporting that vaping is 95% safer and that health experts want it prescribed by the healthcare system. They also interviewed Professor of Tobacco Addiction at King's College of London, Anne McNeil, who made an interesting comment. She said that electronic cigarettes didn't come from big tobacco, it came from smokers themselves. And this is a, a great distinction to make. Big Tobacco sells it now, but it wasn't created by them to keep people addicted. It was created and adopted by smokers to get away from the health risks of smoking. So yeah, the, the documentary focused a lot on Big Tobacco and their position within the market, but it also covered the small vape industry, and it talked a lot about the benefits of vaping over smoking. I would say that this was a very positive documentary in support of electronic cigarettes. So you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. I'll include a link in the show notes, or you can just search for Welcome Back Big Tobacco, The Fifth Estate on YouTube. It's only 40 minutes long, but if you're like me, you can watch Watch it at 1.5 speed and get it done much faster. All right, and one more topic this week. The new Ango Rabbit vape cotton is leaving people with questions. So there's a new vape cotton product on the market that everyone is talking about called Ango Rabbit Cotton, which is supposedly resistant to burning and has no smell, even after burning for 60 seconds. Well, they say that you can burn this cotton up to 20 seconds three times, so a total of 60 seconds. And even after burning, you won't notice a difference in flavor. According to the makers of Ango Rabbit Cotton, Lion Ecology, they've spent seven months researching and testing to, to develop this new cotton, which also is supposed to have better taste than other cottons and have better ability to soak up e-juice. The big question that people are asking right now is if this cotton has chemicals applied to it so that it can do these things. Lion says that their cotton is clean and doesn't have any chemicals. Nobody has tested the cotton yet though to find out if that's true. Another issue with this product though, which was brought up by Battery Mooch over on Reddit, is that the packaging claims to have ISO, FDA, FCC, CE, and ROHS regulatory compliance. Ango Rabbit says that the FDA compliance logo is just a logo, nothing special. They say that they can claim this because they also sell medical grade cotton that is certified. But obviously this doesn't mean that this new cotton meets the same compliances. A representative with Ango Rabbit told Mooch that they have filed with the FDA, but they refused to send details to him. Angle Rabbit also claimed that they could put FCC compliance on their packaging because they previously sold electronic cigarettes, which doesn't make sense because FCC standards are for electronic devices, not cotton. This one is clearly fake. As for the ISO mark, that can apply to cotton products, but there are more than 20,000 standards that can make a product meet compliance. Lion refused to tell Mooch which standards they have complied with. The CE mark is one that any company can use, which claims that a product is ready for sale in the European Union. A company can actually self-certify themselves for CE compliance, but Lion even refused to send this document to Mooch. 
And an expert with CE compliance also chimed in on this and mentioned that none of the directives that apply to the CE mark would apply to cotton used for vaping. And finally, the ROHS mark, which stands for Reduction of Hazardous Substances. This is another interesting one because it only applies to electronic equipment, but Lion is claiming it on a, on a cotton product. Obviously, Lion refused to show the documentation as well because it has to be fake. As you can see, this is all extremely questionable. If they don't want to provide documents that most legitimate companies are willing to provide to anyone who asks, what, what could be the reason? Are they hiding something? Are they lying about compliance? Are they... They are most certainly lying about compliance on several of these marks. So that begs the question, are they also lying about what chemicals might exist on this cotton? Mooch also published images of a public discussion he had on Facebook with Tina Wang, a representative of Ango Rabbit. He mentioned many of these concerns and she was pretty defensive, which is understandable, I suppose. Even a legitimate company doesn't want to be called a liar, but it's the way that she handled it that was concerning. She said that since Mooch isn't their customer, they don't have any reason to show proof of anything to him. She also said that Mooch does battery tests, not cotton tests, so he doesn't understand cotton. But Mooch wasn't saying anything about the cotton. He was questioning the compliance marks. Eventually, she decided to delete the, the entire discussion, but Mooch had already taken screenshots. We can probably expect to learn more about this soon. A chemical engineer who works in material science has offered to do a chemical analysis of the product. Mooch will be sending some of that cotton to him to analyze, and then we'll know for sure. The compliance marks that they're using are probably fake, but the claims that the company makes about the cotton itself might be legit. I hope the claims are true because it would be great to have a cotton that's a little more resistant to burning. And I have seen many positive reviews for this cotton. Uh, for example, Big Lou vaped it until it was white, then continued to vape it. He started to burn the wick and still vaped it until he got a dry hit. And even after the dry hit, he pulled out the cotton and it wasn't very burnt. And Phil Brasardo, he did one of the most comprehensive and accurate tests of this cotton in a variety of different experiments. He did a 30 minute video doing comparisons to other types of cottons and found that Ango Rabbit cotton burns the least and has the best taste, but, the wi but it wicks the worst and holds the least amount of e-juice. So it looks like a decent product as far as performance goes, but many people are saying that this cotton is probably just hyped up dental or medical grade cotton. So if you want to save a little bit of money and be certain that you're not vaping hidden chemicals, that might be the better route to go, at least until further tests come out about this. Okay, that's all I have for this week. You'll find the show notes for this episode on vapepassion.com. Just do a search for episode 82. If you want to support this show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash vapepassion. You can follow me on Twitter at vapepassion, and I'm also on Facebook. If you like the show i'd love it if you gave me a review on itunes you can also catch the video version of the podcast on youtube if you're not already a subscriber please subscribe if you want to get notifications of new reviews or of the show you can sign up to receive my weekly email on vapepassion.com and if you have any questions or comments feel free to email me anytime or leave a comment on one of my videos all right i'll see you next week 